that your baby boy would one day walk on water did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new this child that you've delivered will soon deliver you mary did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod and when you kiss your little baby you've kissed the face of god oh mary did you know Hallelujah. Wasn't that beautiful? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the birth of Jesus. We thank you that our Savior has come. And we thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We'd like to thank and welcome our online audience for being with us today. Welcome to the Mission Church as we celebrate Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. How about a great big hallelujah for Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's, it's Paul and Diane's wedding anniversary. Would you give them a happy anniversary? Happy anniversary, Paul and Diane. Hallelujah. Well, church, over the past few weeks, we have been looking at the importance of prophecy. Amen. 
I don't know about you, but this I've been talking about prophecy, and it's just absolutely exciting to me as we talked about it. So over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the importance of prophecy and biblical prophecy and all the prophecies regarding Israel, all the prophecies regarding the end times. Last week, we looked at the, the prophecies of the first coming of Jesus as the Messiah. I don't know about you, but a great big hallelujah goes right there, man. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Today, we're going to continue on looking at these biblical prophecies, amen? As we look at these Bible prophecies, we're going to look today at the second coming of Jesus. The second coming. You say, Andrew, why are we looking at all these prophetic things? Because fulfilled prophecy proves that the scripture has authority in them. It proves it. Fulfilled prophecy proves the reliability and authenticity of God's word. It's absolutely truth because God spoke something hundreds of years ago and then he fulfilled it hundreds of years later. Amen? Only God can do these things. Only God can do it. Prophecy is the Lord revealing his story of, the, of future events to his people ahead of time. He starts telling us about future events ahead of time in order to prepare us for it. Isn't that good? I'm telling you, God reveals these things to you. If you know what's going to happen tomorrow, wouldn't your life be different? I mean, if you knew exactly what was going to happen tomorrow from the moment you got up to the time you went to bed, you knew everything about tomorrow. That'd change your whole life, wouldn't it? Amen. It really would. Especially if you knew it today, you could go bet on all the football games <laughs> and know all the outcomes of all the games. Diane, we could go clean up, darling, if we just knew. See, that's what prophecy does. Prophecy spoken ahead of time prepares people and gives them hope. I'm telling you, church, biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, but biblical hope expects it to come to pass. How many of you are expecting something to come to pass? Listen, here's the truth. If you expect nothing, you know what you get? Nothing. So my encouragement to you is you better start expecting God's word and the prophecies of God's word to benefit you. Because if you don't, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. You know, when Jesus was passing by, only one blind, only one blind Bartimaeus cried out to him. Jesus passed by, and one guy screamed, Hey, Jesus, what about me? See, Jesus will pass right by you, and he'll, he'll walk right by you. He'll leave you right there if you want to stay there. I'm telling you, don't let him walk past you. Don't let these prophetic things get past you. Turn in your Bible to Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 11. I've quoted this verse every week for the past several weeks. If you haven't looked it up in your Bible and written it down and studied it, you should. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. This is God speaking about prophecy. This is how powerful God's word is. This is how powerful God is. God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. That means he knows everything about your life from the beginning of your life to the end of your life. He knows you. Isaiah 46, verse number 9. The prophet writes, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. 
I am God and there is none like me. <laughs> and I encourage you right there. We don't have to run around and try to figure out where God is. I'm telling you where he is. He's right here with us right now. He's the only God. There's no one else. Verse number 10, this is what he says. Listen to the prophecy, declaring the end from the beginning. God says, I declare the end from the beginning. I declare from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. Verse 11, calling the ravenous bird from the east, the man that executes the counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Amen. Amen. God says, when I make a prophecy, when I make a prediction, you can guarantee it. It's coming to pass. So these prophecies and predictions in the Old Testament of the coming of Messiah gave Israel... Uh, the nation of Israel and the people of Israel, great hope. So I'm going to throw some scriptures at you that I've already talked about. You can see this in Luke chapter 3 and verse number 15. In Luke 3, 15, John the Baptist shows up on the scene of life. He's baptizing in the Jordan, and the entire nation of Israel flocks to him. Everybody flocks to him because the Bible says they were in full expectation, wondering, is John the Christ? How many of you are in that type of expectation? Jesus is coming, church. Are you in that type of expectation? You should show up to church on Sunday thinking, man, that king is coming. He's going to knock on the door one day. Are you going to be there to answer? Or are you going to be like the ten virgins and some of you are asleep and some of you don't have enough oil and some of you are out goofing off and the king's going to come like a thief in the night? When he shows up, you going to be ready? Think about it. Israel was in full expectation, the whole nation. John chapter 4, verse 25, the woman at the well. Jesus comes to the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, has a conversation with her about the, the worship and the Jews and the Messiah, and they're having this conversation. And the woman at the well, she said this. She looks at Jesus and she says, I know that Messiah is coming. Listen to that expectation. I know he's coming. I know he's coming, and when he comes, he's going to tell us all things. Jesus finally leaned over and said, hey, sweetheart, I'm the Messiah. Hallelujah. She was in full expectation that the Messiah was going to show up on the scene and reveal himself and show some things to her. How many of you are in full expectation that Jesus is coming a second time? Amen. Full expectation. Full expectation that Jesus is coming. In Luke chapter number one, you see two people. You see Simeon and you see Anna. Simeon and Anna were so expecting the Messiah and believing and expecting for God to send this his son into the earth. They're believing for it. They didn't leave the temple. Some of you can't even get up and come to church, and these people wouldn't leave the building. Some of you can't even come up inside here and get serious about worshiping God and being on time now. You got to do all kinds of They slept, ate, and never left the building. He's coming, and I ain't missing it. Hallelujah. How about you get some excitement about the things of God in your life? Amen? Amen. How about we get excited about the scriptures? Listen, I'm telling you that 
if you'll study these prophetic scriptures, if you'll look at them and you'll study them and you'll read them and you'll meditate on them, they will produce the spiritual force called faith to come up inside of you, just like it did for them. They believe for it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They heard the Old Testament prophet. They believed the Old Testament prophet. They acted on the word of the Old Testament prophet and their level of expectation went through the roof. Your level of expectation should come up. You should have faith to believe that what God says will come to pass. Faith to believe that what God says will come to pass. He's not a man that he should lie. If he has said it, he will do it. Amen? That's what the Bible teaches. The nation and the people of Israel were fully persuaded that Messiah was coming. Fully convinced like Abraham that God... Fully persuaded God's going to fulfill his promise to me. So, Mission Church, I stand before you and I want to give you a Christmas present. Here's your Christmas present from us to you. This Christmas season during these last days, I present to you the greatest, the greatest Christmas present I can give to you. Biblical hope for these last days. I'm going to give you Bible hope that no matter what you go through, you can hope in the second coming and it'll give you supernatural power to endure everything that you have to endure. Amen? Amen. It'll do it for you. It did it for them. It did it for them in the Old Testament. I boldly declare to you that the predictions of the Old Testament prophets came to pass with pinpoint accuracy. As they came to pass with pinpoint accuracy, then we can look at the New Testament prophetic word about the second coming of the Messiah. And I'm guaranteeing you it'll come to pass with pinpoint accuracy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pinpoint accuracy. All right, so we're going to take a trip through the Bible. Uh, you can write some of these scriptures down. We're going to talk about are you ready for the rapture? Are you rapture ready? You say, Andrew, what is the rapture? Well, when Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he writes about the rapture and he says this, when you talk about these things, be encouraged by these words. So church, what's coming to you right now is, is the encouragement from the word of God. If you'll receive it today, you'll walk out of here with hope that you can survive these last days no matter what happens. And you can walk out of here with encouragement that no matter what happens in these last days, no matter how bad it gets, bless God, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Amen? Amen? Be encouraged, Mission Church. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, talk about the glorious appearing of Jesus. Titus 2, 11 through 13, for by the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. There's his first coming. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. There's the prophetic word about his first coming. He came, and he came to all men. The verse goes on to say, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Think about those words in this society that's gone crazy. The Bible says you should live soberly, righteously, and godly. The Bible says that you should deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Get them out. 
Get rid of them. Look at verse number 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You should be looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for it. I'm encouraging you today, look for it. Look for it. It's not, some, it's not something off in the future anymore. It's right at the door, church. Are you eagerly looking for the Messiah to come like they were the first time? They were eagerly looking for the Messiah to come. The Bible instructs us here to look for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. I tell you this Christmas season, Mission Church, be encouraged and rejoice. Hallelujah. You got a lot to shout for. And I'm, not, and I'm not shouting about the Christmas present or the Christmas turkey or the Christmas goose or the Christmas hot dog or what your wife's going to get you or your kids are going to get you. None of that means anything to me. I'm telling you, you need to rejoice that we could be in heaven for Christmas this year. That's how close we are. That's how close we are. Rejoice. Look for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen. This blessed hope will strengthen you when you have no strength. This hope will protect you when you don't have any protection. It'll deliver you. It'll increase your faith. It'll produce peace when there's no peace, hope when there's no hope. In the days when the tribulation period comes and there's tribulation and persecution and wars and famines and economic collapse, I'm telling you, this is the hope that'll pull you through. This is the hope that you can stand on. This is the hope. This is the firm foundation that the Bible talks about. This hope is not sinking sand. I'm telling you, if you believe in the glory appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ and put your faith in his prophetic word bless God we're going to see him hallelujah Hallelujah! let the world shake because it's gonna but if you'll hold on to this word you will not fail you let this word go this is the anchor for your soul church this is the hope that will produce power this is the hope that will produce what the Bible says, like Paul writes to us, he that endures to the end shall be saved. How many of you can endure to the end? How many of you going to endure? Listen to that, endure to the end. The only way you're going to endure to the end is if you start believing in something beyond you and your beans and your weenies and your bullets and your guns. They ain't going to do you any good. You're fighting a spiritual battle. And the only hope is Jesus and the hope for him. Look at Hebrews 9.28. You can write it down. Hebrews 9.28 tells us to eagerly wait for his return. The Bible says Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. The Bible's telling you, eagerly wait for him. Eagerly wait for him. When you light the birthday candles on Jesus' cake this year, and you put out the seat for him, you put out the plate for him, and when you, when you stand around your Christmas tree, it's not about us, it's all about him, and you should be thinking, glory be to God, I'm ready. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Eagerly wait for him to appear a second time. Eagerly wait for him to appear a second time. 
the Bible talks about the Old Testament prophets, and they prophesied with pinpoint accuracy how Jesus would come the first time. They said he would come from the lineage and tribe of Abraham, and he did. He would come from the tribe of Judah. That was prophesied, and he did. They said he'd be born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, called a Nazarene, that the kings would come and worship him and give gifts to him, that they would be led by his star, and many more things were prophesied, and all these things came to pass with pinpoint accuracy. Amen? If these Old Testament scriptures can be trusted, and if these Old Testament scriptures can be fulfilled with pinpoint accuracy, then I'll stand before you and tell you, so can the New Testament. Amen? We've got to believe it just like they believed it. You have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to believe just like they believed. There's a lot of times we're in this life and we look at characters in the Bible and we, we place them in ancient times years ago and we think, man, what would it have been like to be David or Joshua or Moses and live in those days? You know, it wasn't any easier for them to live in those days than it is for us to live in our days. You know how they had to do it? By the same spiritual force called faith that we do. They had to hear the word of God, believe the word of God, and act on the word of God. It wasn't any easier for them. Our problem is we got a whole lot more distractions than they did. We got things like power where they had candlelight. We got things like cell phones and internet to get us in all kinds of trouble. And they didn't have all that stuff. But they still had a lot of evil going on in their day. Amen. I'm telling you, we can do it. We can do it. You're hoping, you're hoping 2024, church, is this hope, the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and not a new president in 2024. Hallelujah. You say, what are you hoping for in 2024? A Republican president? No, baby. My eyes are looking higher than that. I'm looking for the glorious appearing of Jesus. I can't get into it today, but next year, you know what next year stands for? The year of the open door. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there's an open door. Mm. I say this and I say it boldly. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. So are your rapture ready? You say, what is the rapture? The rapture is what the Bible talks about. The, the, the term that's used here is the catching away of the church to heaven. It consists of born-again believers, believers who believe in Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And when the rapture happens, this is the term where the, where the church is snatched away, taken away, uh, caught away, and we go to heaven to be with the Lord. Now, I'm going to show you from the scriptures where this has happened many, many times. I believe if you look at the scriptures, now, I don't have time to teach you or talk to you about the feast days of the Lord the festivals of the Lord, but there's a lot of them. And these feast days and festivals you'll find in the book of Leviticus, they, they all point to Jesus Christ. Every one of these holy days, the Bible calls them holy convocations. If you look up the word convocation, you know what convocation means? It means a holy rehearsal. How many of you have ever rehearsed for a play? Read your lines, had to come in and practice? Okay, this is what the Bible says. They rehearsed these holy days in the book of Leviticus. And here's the holy days. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, 
of the Day of Atonement and Tabernacles. These were the festivals of the Lord that, the old, that, that, they, that they walked out and lived in, in the Old Testament. They were all pictures of Jesus Christ. They all rehearsed these things, and Israel did all these things as a big rehearsal. And then when Jesus came on the scene, it was no longer a rehearsal. It was the real thing. So I'll prove it to you. So on Passover, they had to kill the Passover lamb and put the blood on the doorposts of the home. <laughs> and the Bible says that Jesus is the Passover lamb. He became the lamb of God that takes away our sin of the world. So what did he do? He fulfilled Passover. Unleavened bread. The festival of unleavened bread is we take all the leaven out of your house, all of, all of this yeast out of your house. You know what it represented? Sin. All that leaven represented sin. And the Bible says that Jesus is the unleavened bread. He's the sinless bread that came down from heaven. He's the bread from heaven, the sinless bread of God. He became the unleavened bread. The first fruits is the next festival they would have. The first fruits of the ground. So they would harvest the, the, the crop from the ground. And the very first harvest from the ground, they would wave it to the Lord as a wave offering. Okay, the Bible says this about Jesus. Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection from the dead. The first fruits of the resurrection. Jesus was the very first one to ever die, go into the earth, and then be resurrected. And on the same day they're fulfilling that prophecy, Jesus is standing going, I'm the first fruits of the resurrection. They're waving their offerings and Jesus is waving his offering. I'm it. He fulfilled the first fruits of the resurrection. The day of Pentecost, 50 days after, after, 50 days after, the, after Easter comes uh, Pentecost. And 50 days later, after Jesus was rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, and 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, he fulfilled the feast of Pentecost by sending the Holy Spirit back to the earth. These aren't my festivals. These aren't my feast days. These are the feast days of God. You know what the next feast day on the, uh, on the calendar is that has not been fulfilled yet? Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets. Think about that. It's the Feast of Trumpets. Guess what they do in the Feast of Trumpets? They blow trumpets. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Someone should get excited right there. The Feast of Trumpets, along with all the other festivals of the Lord, they, fo they foreshadowed certain aspects of the ministry of Jesus. And the prophets linked the blowing of the trumpets to the future day of judgment. They blowing a trumpet, they'd have 10 days of repentance and getting clean before God, and then the day of judgment would come. This is what they did. It pictures the rapture of the church where the last trumpet of God's going to sound. We're going to get out of the way. The trumpet signifies the judgment of God is coming on the earth. The church leaves the earth, goes to heaven. We spend 10 days with the Lord. What do we do? Go to the judgment seat of Christ. After we pass through the judgment seat of Christ, what do we do? We go on to the wedding feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And while we're going through the wedding feast and we're having this 10 days of hallelujah, glory, and praise, and we're having this big party, guess what's happening on the earth? Judgment. It's a perfect picture of the rapture of the church. Oh, somebody should get excited. This is the next feast day that's on God's time clock that hasn't been fulfilled yet. And I'm telling you, it's coming. This is it. 
How many raptures are there in the Bible? Does anybody know? Let's find out. You want to see them all? I'm going to show them to you. So the first one we're going to talk about is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Here's the prophetic word from Almighty God to us about the rapture of the church. The blowing of the trumpet. The, the trumpet of God's going to sound. The trumpet of God sounds on the day of trumpets. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. There's the first resurrection. You should start believing for it. If you've got family members who died in Christ, glory to God, their bodies are going to come up out of the graves. Mama's coming out of the grave. Daddy's coming out of the grave. And they're going to be caught up to the Lord. They're going to, their spirit's going to meet their body. Boom, heavenly bodies. And then we who are alive and remain, after that, we who are still alive and are left, will be caught up together, raptured, caught up, snatched away with them, in the clouds to meet the, meet the Lord in the air, and so we will forever be with the Lord. That's the picture. You should start believing for it. The rapture of the church, or the second coming of Jesus, happens in two stages. The first stage of the second coming is the rapture of the church. That's part one. There's a two-part thing here. The first thing that happens is that the church is raptured away, and the, the days of grace end, the era of grace ends, and we enter into a whole other era. You say, what happens at the snatching away, at the rapture of the church? You can look at it. Uh, Jesus talks about it in John's Gospel, chapter 14, and verses number 1 through 3. So after the rapture happens, where do we go? We go to the Father's house. Isn't that a good place to go? We get to go to Daddy's house. How about you? I want to go. First John, I'm sorry, not First John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 1 through 3. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Listen to what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. Right. Hallelujah. He goes to prepare a place for us. He has prepared a place for us. He's prepared a place for me and you. Verse number three. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Oh, someone should be excited right there. I'm coming again. You don't think he's coming again? Jesus himself said, I'm coming again. The God who can't lie. The God who can't fib. The God who can't tell you he's going to do something and not do it. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm coming again. I'm coming again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Hallelujah. See, this expectation of the rapture was so ingrained into the first church, they fully believed that Jesus was coming in their lifetime. They fully believed that he was coming back within their lifetime. They didn't lollygag around, they didn't get lazy. They were fully expecting Jesus is coming back, and I got to be ready. Listen to how Jesus taught them. Jesus said to them from the gospel, Luke, I tell you that on that night, two will be, there will be two people in bed. One will be taken, and the other left. I woke up the other night in the middle of the night, and I rolled over. My wife wasn't there. I've been studying these scriptures. I rolled over. Pam wasn't there. I looked over there, and I thought, hmm. My wife's always there. 
okay? Middle of the night. I don't know what time it is. Middle of the night. So I'm listening to think maybe she's, you know, in the, in, the, in the restroom. So I sit up in bed and I look in the master bathroom. I'm like, mm, she ain't in there. So my little feet get a little antsy and I put my toes on the floor and I come out of my bedroom and I look down the hall and I don't see no lights. I get in the kitchen and I look around and I think, Lord, this ain't funny. I said, Lord, I've been studying all this stuff about snatching in the way of the church, and I'm not liking this too much. I went from room to room to room, and finally I found her. I went, <laughs> She was in the, in, in, the, in, in the back bedroom with the door closed, and she said, I couldn't get comfortable in our bed, so I got another bed. I wanted to wake her up and say, don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> I'm standing in the bedroom thinking, Jesus, did I really miss it? Mm, it happened to me a second time. Well, that was the second time it happened. The first time it happened to me is a brand new Christian, uh, just got born again in the United States Navy Seabees, young man, just got saved, crazy, excited about God, God doing all kinds of things in my life, and daylight savings time happened. I showed up an hour early. I'm in the parking lot and ain't no one around. I'm knocking on doors and trying to figure out what's going on, and it's a ghost town, not a car. Finally, I pulled my phone out, called the pastor. I said, hey, man. He said, what? I said, where are you at? He said, where are you? I said, well, I'm standing in church and the place is all locked up. Oh, man, if you got this message, the rapture happened last night, you missed it. <laughs> That's what he said to me on the phone. I stand in the parking lot. I said, didn't even know what to say. I thought, no, please, no. He started laughing. He said, daylight savings time, moron. Turn your clock ahead and hung up on me. Oh, my goodness. Calm down. Calm down. I'm telling you, if you'll eagerly look for something and eagerly wait for something and eagerly desire something, when these strange situations come up, your heart might go pitter-patter too. <laughs> All I know is this. If I miss him, I'm going to Paul's house. Why? He's got a boat and a car and a gun and a bank account. He says he's leaving everything on the counter for me with a notepad. Here you go, Andrew. You're going to need it all. <laughs> if I miss it, I know where I'm going. I'll show up over there. I got another refrigerator and another house. But you know what, church? I'm not missing it. I'm not missing it. Jesus said, get ready, it's coming. Get ready, it's coming. Get ready, it's coming. The rapture of the church will happen first. The second thing that will happen is that the, the, the man of sin, the Antichrist, will show up on the scene, and the earth will go through seven years of tribulation on the earth. It will be a terrible time. You don't want to miss the rapture of the church. I believe the rapture of the church is the saving of the church from the wrath to come. Revelation 3, verse number 10. Write that scripture down. You can look it up later. The Bible says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world to try them. This is Revelation. This is John getting the word from the Lord. And he says, Because you've kept my word. Now, if you didn't kept his word, then you've got a problem. You've kept my word of patience. I will also keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the world and all them that dwell upon it. Now, this letter was written to the church of Philadelphia, and I believe it's a letter that's written to all of us because the church of Philadelphia is long gone. It's disbanded and it's over, and it's a universal church for us because it's talking here about a future event. This future event 
is a date in the future that there's going to come a time of trial that comes upon the whole earth, Jesus says, and I'm going to rescue you from that time of trial that's going to come upon the whole earth. How many of you want to be rescued from it? I do. Revelation 3.10 says, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the whole earth and the whole world. If you look up that word in the Greek, from, I will keep you from, that Greek word literally means out of. Jesus is saying, I will take you out of the wrath to come. I believe the rapture of the church is us going to heaven and us escaping the wrath of God's judgment. We're exempt from the wrath of judgment. We're exempt from it. Jesus died for our sins and took our, our penalty and he died in our place so that judgment was taken off of my life and was placed on him. Right? Amen. I believe we're saved from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says it like this about being saved from the wrath to come. Paul writes, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he's raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivers us from the wrath that's to come. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, Paul's telling you, I'm gonna, Jesus is going to come, and when he comes, he's going to save you from the wrath to come. In the feast days of trumpets, they blow the trumpet, they repent for 10 days, and then judgment happens. That's what they celebrate. That's what happens. I believe that the trumpet's going to sound. We're going to go to heaven. We're going to be. We're going to. We're going to go through the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and judgment's coming upon the earth at the same time. We're relieved and de delivered from that judgment. Wrath to come does not speak of judgment of believers because Jesus has already prevented that for us by us placing our faith in Him. It's we're saved by grace through faith. Romans 5, 9, and 10. Romans 5, 9, and 10 proves it. Much more than having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if we were enemies when we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. The Bible is so clear here. If I was the enemy of God and under the judgment of God and at that place he saved me, forgave me, washed me in his blood and I became his son, is he now going to cause me to go back through the judgment that he saved me from? I was his enemy, but I'm not anymore. If he saved me when I was his enemy, is he going to put me through the wrath because now I'm his son? No, I don't think so. We stand completely justified if you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says it like this, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.9. God's not appointed us to wrath. Now, as a sinner, I was appointed to wrath. But not as a son, amen? The tribulation period is God's wrath on the earth, Christians are not appointed to this wrath. We're taken away, snatched away, caught away, raptured away before the tribulation begins. 
Revelation 4 and verse number 1. The snatching away. Listen to what it says. John is writing. He's on the island of Patmos, and Jesus is revealing these things to him. And Jesus tells him this, and he writes this down. And John says, after these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. What did he see? A door in heaven. What did he hear? And that the voice which I heard was like a trumpet. The trumpet was saying to me, come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place after this. John sees the end times. He hears the trumpet blast. He sees a door in heaven. All of a sudden, he's caught up through that door. He's not on the earth anymore. And then the wrath of God's poured out upon the whole place. Church, you should rejoice. He delivers us from wrath that's to come. He snatches us away from the wrath that's to come. He delivers us from the wrath that's to come. We're snatched away. All right, I'm going to give you some examples of the snatching away from wrath. Noah built an ark and escaped the wrath of God. Think about it. Moses escaped the wrath of Pharaoh because they put him in a little basket and sent him down the river. He escaped the wrath to come. Jesus went to Egypt to escape the wrath of King Herod, killing all the babies two years and under. Jesus escaped the wrath of Herod. Lot and his family escaped Sodom and Gomorrah before the wrath of God came down on the place. Church, you should be encouraged over and over and over. It shows you that if you'll live right and you'll place your faith in God and do what God tells you to do, he'll get you out before the trouble hits. Hallelujah. In Lot's case, they sent angels there. And they grabbed him and they said, you got to go and you got to go now. Glory be to God. Some of you need to get snatched out into some of the things that you're in, and you better turn it around real quickly because if you don't, you'll get caught in the judgment. You don't want to get caught in this judgment. Jesus is the escape. Rahab the prostitute put a red cord in her window, and she escaped the wrath that came upon Jericho. I'm telling you, church, we've been, we're, we're, we escaped the wrath that's to come we escape the wrath that's to come upon the whole world because the rapture of the church happened. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to show you some raptures now. So you can see that who, Sandra, who was ever raptured out? Enoch was raptured. Enoch was taken out in Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 24. The Bible says Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. God took him. How many of you just want to be taken? <laughs> he walked with God. He was no more. God took him. This means Enoch was translated without dying. He went from the earth, directly raptured, taken away, caught up, and snatched away. Suddenly, instantly, he went to heaven. So can raptures happen? It happened to Enoch. If you don't believe Genesis, you can read about it in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 5. By faith, that pleased God, Enoch was caught up and taken to heaven so that he would not have a glimpse of death. He was taken away. How many of you want to be snatched away? Taken away. Carried away. I don't know. Enoch was. All right, so if that's not good enough for you, how about Elijah? 
You want to know about somebody else who was translated, who was raptured, who was snatched away, who was carried away? Elijah was taken and without dying, and the Bible says he went up into the heaven in a whirlwind. 2 Kings chapter 2, he was taken by a whirlwind to heaven. And when the Lord was about to take Elijah to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling to Gilgal. Verse 11 says, And as they are walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw, Elisha saw this and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Elijah, alive and translated. Alive and taken out. Snatched away, carried away, pulled out. How? By the, by the armies of God. By the chariots of God. By the fire of God. He said, Andrew, where's that come from? Look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 7. If you read Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 7, you'll see the Bible says that it's God who makes his angels like winds and his ministering spirits or his servants flames of fire. He makes his angels like the wind and his ministering spirits like flames of fire. When we get out of here, we could all go out of here in a flame of fire. <laughs> That's the way Elijah went out. In a whirlwind, on a chariot, on a horse of fire. You say, you believe that? I do. Am I going to go out on a horse of fire? You better believe it. I'm leaving. I'm being snatched away. Glory be to God. You need to be snatched away too. There's a developing pattern. You say, who else, Andrew? Jesus Christ was raptured. Jesus himself, in Acts chapter 1, verses number 6 to 11, you can read it. Jesus is resurrected. He's talking with his disciples. He shows himself to the 12. He shows himself to 500. And while he's on the mountain, the Bible says he goes up from their sight, and he just lifts up, and he goes up into the clouds. And they're looking up into the heavens. And, and Acts chapter 1, verse number 6 through 11 says that the angels came and said, Hey! What are you doing staring up into the heavens like that? They said, we're looking at Jesus. They said, he's going to come back just as you've seen him go. Jesus raptured into heaven. Raptured. Raptured. Jesus was snatched away, taken away, taken to heaven. Glory be to God. The Bible says in the book of Acts that Philip was having a conversation with, with an Ethiopian eunuch, and he's having this conversation with the eunuch in Acts chapter number 8. The Spirit of the Lord tells him, go up there and explain the scriptures to him. So he does. He has this conversation with the Ethiopian eunuch. The eunuch believes in Jesus. They stop the, they stop the caravan. The eunuch says, there's water. Can I be baptized? He said, yes. They go down into the water. He baptizes him. He comes up, and immediately... Philip is snatched away. The Spirit of the Lord came and took him away, snatched him up, and carried him off. And he was gone, translated, transported, moved supernaturally. He wandered up on the Gaza Strip. God took him somewhere else. A type of rapture of the church. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, talk about 
a type of rapture. Paul says this. Paul mentions him being caught up, snatched up into the third heaven. He says, I know a man in Christ 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know. Whether out of the body, I don't know. But God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. This is Paul writing about himself. He said, I don't know if I was physically there, spiritually there. Only God knows. But I'll tell you this. One night I was snatched away and I was taking the glory. And I saw it all. And then I had to come back. And I don't know if I was really there or half there or not there. I don't know really how it happened. If I was in the body or out of the body, in the spirit, out of the spirit, I don't know. But I was snatched away to the third heaven. Enoch raptured. Elijah raptured, Jesus raptured, Philip raptured, Paul raptured. Paul writes like this to us, church, I'm telling you, believe in the glorious appearing of our great Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, wait for it, look for it. The snatching away of the church is going to happen. First Thessalonians. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise. And after that, we who are still alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Encourage one another with these words. Paul writes like this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We should all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The last trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will be raised. Hallelujah. Church, I'm telling you, you can believe what the Bible says. You can believe these prophetic scriptures. You can believe that the next event that's going to happen to the whole world is the snatching away of the believers of Jesus Christ. Are you rapture ready? Are you rapture ready? You say, Andrew, how do you get rapture ready? How in the world does a person get rapture ready? You know how you get rapture ready? You accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You repent of your sins. You confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And the Bible says you will be saved. For with the heart man believes on the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Church, don't miss the rapture. Don't miss the rapture. Don't miss the rapture. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. At this time, I just want you to be still for just a moment before God. The prophetic Bible is true. You're watching online. The prophetic word that I just gave to you is true. The Old Testament prophets were right about the first coming of Jesus. They were right with pinpoint accuracy. That's why I'm boldly standing here and I'm telling you that these New Testament scriptures about the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus Christ will happen with absolute pinpoint accuracy. If you're here today, you're watching online, and you don't know that you're going to make the rapture. You say, Andrew, I just don't know. I want to be in the rapture. I don't want to miss the rapture. 
I want to be sure that when the trumpet of God sounds and Jesus calls the church home, I want to go. If there's any doubt in your heart that you'll miss the rapture, I want you to raise your hand because I'm going to pray with you. Come on, just lift your hand. If that's you, say that's me. And we're going to pray together. Online this morning, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to cry out to God. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want you to pray this prayer. You can repeat after me. You can say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Your word says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I call upon you right now. I pray and ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. Right here today, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and I believe that I'm being saved. With my heart, I'm believing right now, Lord, on the righteousness. And right here today, with my mouth, I'm making confession of my salvation. Today, I confess Jesus is Lord of my life. Today, I believe that God has raised him from the dead. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ has become your personal Lord and your personal Savior. Glory be to God. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for saving you? Come on. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for saving you? Come on, we have a blessed assurance that when Jesus comes back, I'm going. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? We're going to sing an old song. It's a great hymn. It's called, The Roll is Called Up Yonder. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Joe, why don't you come help us sing, brother? Come sing, help us sing. The roll is called up yonder. Come on, Joe's in the house. Everybody welcome Joe and Stephanie back. Hallelujah. We, we got some It's on the... Paul's got words if you'll put the screen down. If you want words, crank it up. The trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be the whole. And the more.